Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and Bulldog fans everywhere. I'd like to welcome everybody back. Hell State Shockwave, unless you're a first-time listener, in which case I'd like to just welcome you initially. Uh, I'm your co-host, Colton Watson. And I'm your other co-host, Gavin Lagazino. And thank y'all for listening. We're so glad to have y'all. We've got a great show ahead of us. Uh, but first, we'd like to mention, uh, like we normally do most shows, that uh, Wave Sports is our affiliate. They uh, have all kinds of social media pages to cover sports in a way that they've never been covered before. Covering sports for the 21st century is how I like to describe it. Um, they didn't tell me that that's how they'd like to do it, but that's kind of seems how it is since they just use social media to, you know, talk about sports. They've got pages for almost every professional team and all kinds of college teams. They got pages dedicated to specific players, specific sports, uh, just cool plays or specific types of plays that they just show videos of. You can find them on Instagram. They're on Snapchat, Twitter, all those good things that the kids are into these days. Uh, I'm a 60-year-old man, so I'm not really into all that. Much. <laughs> but, uh, but you can find – they aren't too hot, hard to find if you're on any of those platforms. All right. Getting right into what we're going to talk about today, football. Man, that feels good to talk about. And I love, I love baseball. And, in fact, you know, during baseball season, I think I love baseball more than football. But during football season, I don't know. That might not be true. <laughs> That's a, I feel in, like I go back and forth depending on the season. Ask me in September, okay, Yeah. what I feel like. Um, so, anyway, today we're going to just talk about the offense or what we feel like is going to look this year. Uh, expect it to take a big step up this year. Um, there's going to be a whole bunch of improvement, I think, with the whole new year under the new system, maybe a different quarterback uh, than we might have expected com- com- uh, coming out of this season when the, uh, the season ended back in January. Um, lots more production. We've had added some pieces, got pieces that have experience, and a lot of guys that we expect to have a breakout year. So uh, let's just talk about first the offensive line. Um, I'm going to go across the offensive line, our projected starters. Uh, and even if they're not, if this is, you know, a little bit off, these are guys whose names you will be familiar with before the end of the season if you pay attention to this team. Um, our right tackle will be senior Tyree Phillips. He is a 6'5", two, uh, 345, 200 Goodness gracious, that'd be terrible. 345, he's a big dude. And uh, he was the first guy off the uh, the bench, I guess you would say. You don't really you talk about it like that in football. But the first guy to rotate in last year, um, the one that you know, the sixth lineman, mate, perhaps. Uh, the next guy who was, all, you know, the sixth, seventh lineman, something like that, is Michael Story. He was uh, suspended for a short time last year for an uh, incident that happened last summer, uh, but he is totally back. We expect him to be the next starter on that line. He'll be a guard. Um, your team captain went to media days. Uh, Senior Daryl Williams, he's going to be making a lot of money on Sundays. Um, that guy is 300 pounds, 6'1". No, 310 pounds, 6'1". He is he's the backbone of this team in this line. He is going to be the guy that is barely out of the game, if at all. Um, is going to have the heaviest workload at center and is uh, going to be the anchor for this line for sure. Uh, as a center should be. Uh, Stuart Reese is another guard. 
another guy that's about 6'4", 345 pounds. Uh, and Greg Island, who has left tackle last year at 6'8", 335, he's going to be the right tackle, we think, this year. Um, there's just some talk about moving him to the right side. Uh, these are not – these are predictions. These aren't what's gonna, what it's going to be. You know, these positions might be slightly off or there might be somebody else starting. But we feel good about who the guys are, if they are moved around a little bit. You know, we know we know where Daryl's going to be. I'm very confident where Greg's going to be. Um, after that, it gets a little bit fuzzy because you just don't, it just things have to shake out in fall camp, and they'll move guys around. Um, and of course, when they sub packages in, you know they might they might move the starting guard out to tackle when they sub in for that tackle, you know, and, and sub in a guard and then shift them over. So things, you know, just get all messed up. That's why, you know, I played. Lord, Lord, heaven forbid me. I was so little. This is so sad. I played a little bit of offensive lineman back when I did play football, and you just had to know what all five guys did because you just moved around. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I never played center, but that was that was terrible. I was not a good offensive lineman. <laughs> I was skinny. I was skinny. Um, coming off the the bench for the uh, for the Bulldogs the offensive line, Tommy Champion is a senior who is pretty much he is just. You know, right there, starting wise, he is basically a starter. He he'll be the first guy starting if somebody has to come out. Uh, he'll be rotating in for sure. That's t- uh, anyway. Tommy Champion, he could play either tackle or guard position, but I, I think he's more of a tackle. Uh, just looking at him, I actually talked to him today, um, and he says he could play either position, and I think he will be mixing at, at everything. He'll be kind of that Swiss Army knife guy, sense that he'll be subbing in more than likely. Now he could start. You know, depends on how fall camp goes. But he's built. He's built like a tackle. Uh, I watched him in the gym, in the gym today. He can he can stand flat footed and go up and tear the rim down with a basketball. And he's you know three hundred and thirty pounds. So he's athletic, uh, like all of these linemen are. Um, they, these are, you know, we're in the SEC. You've got it's not this time where you've got you know huge guys that move about twelve miles an hour at the at top speed. You've got guys that can get it. They can get it up and down the field. You've got guards that are pulling and block, run blocking. Uh, you've got guys that can have to compete with SEC defensive lines, and you know what an SEC defensive line is. That's your that's Montez Sweat and Jeffrey Simmons. Sometimes you know these guys have to stand up to that. Well, Quinston Sharp is the next, probably the next guy off the bench. He's a junior college product from Last Chance U down at East Mississippi. He is a little bit smaller than some of these other guys, but has uh, has really shown up. He redshirted last year as a I guess a junior. And is now, you know, gets to serve his junior year as a player. Um, he will probably be in that guard mix uh, in that second that second uh, rotation of guys on the two deep. Next, you got uh, Darren Parker. Gavin knows about him because he's from DeSoto County. Yeah, lots of athletes from DeSoto County. <laughs> He'll also probably be on the two deep. Um, just some, and you know, just some projections on who's going to be mixing in. Cordavian Suggs is a sophomore that could mix in at guard or tackle. He redshirted last year, but has uh, SEC size, you know, just to see how much he has to develop. Actually, no, he redshirted a year ago and didn't play much last year, and then this year he can play. Um, sorry, he redshirted the previous year. Um, a redshirt freshman that could find find uh, playing time is Cameron Jones. A redshirt freshman that we're very excited about is Quatravius Johnson, but he is 6'7". 330 pounds so not even a, a very heavy six seven but still a, obviously a huge guy you can imagine how long his arm is 
and how useful he could be in that tackle spot, you know, kind of like Greg Island, who's 6'8". Um, another, a senior that has uh, played in 38 games this year, uh, mostly on kicks and stuff like that, on like uh, field goals and extra points, um, Evan Wilkerson. He's a senior that could get some guys some rest off the uh, uh, by coming off the bench and just, you know, playing a couple possessions here and there. You know, a guy that's played 38 games and is a senior, you can expect him to hold his own in the SEC if he's got at least that much experience doing something on the field. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't let him on the field if he was incompetent. So he'll he'd be, be – uh, He'll be on the field a good bit for kicks and uh, yeah, PATs. He will. And, of course, you know, if he if he you know plays, five, plays three plays a game at, on the actual offensive line, you know, that's three plays that somebody gets a rest and can get water, you know, get uh be out there, you know, so that they're the freshest that they have their highest ability to compete and get out there, push some guys, make some holes, do what offensive linemen do. We love offensive yeah. linemen. Um, so uh, we're not going to talk about a ton of freshmen because freshmen, uh, typically on offensive line, do not they they use the red shirt. Very few exceptions to the rule, but we are going to talk about Charles Charles Cross. Charles Cross was the eighth number eight prospect in the country last year. Five star guy. He is an offensive lineman that might see time as a freshman just because of the raw the absolute beast he is. Um, he impressed people at the. Uh, Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game. He was pushing around all those top defensive linemen that were there and making them look look like children, pretty much, is what I heard. And he is probably the most SEC-ready freshman. I don't know if it's worth burning a red shirt on him, but the coaches have that decision to make, and they'll be able to make the right decision if he's worth playing more than four games. Yep. Um, Brandon Cunningham, Cunningham is another true freshman. That we're excited about, and that's what you know. We're just mentioning, you know, how good the recruiting's been at that position. There's some other recruits that we're not even going to have time to mention today, but Cunningham, you know, was committed to Miami and decommitted. Another four-star guy from the Pensacola area. He is probably the best body, um, other than Cross, in this new group that's coming in. So uh, we love what we have at offensive line. We all we do not lo- don't lose a lot from last year. Of course, Elton Jenkins went to the draft. Uh, we wish him the best of luck. But mostly, return we returned three starters and most of the and almost all the two deep. I think all the two deep. So yeah, the biggest thing about our defensive line coming into this year, um, there's a lot of experience, and I would say, you know, we've we're led by a lot of seniority, but there's also a lot of young guys who are getting ready to step up and be the anchors on the line for the next several years. Um, so I really wouldn't say there's anything to worry about in terms of depth. So on our projected starters, there's three seniors and two juniors. You like to hear that in a year, if you're expecting to do something that year, to have those kind of guys that know what they're doing and have been around the block and aren't going to get, you know, freaked out because of, oh my gosh, I'm blocking, you know, Josh Allen types or Quentin Williams type guys, they don't have to worry about that because they've been there. They understand what's expected of them. They understand what it takes to compete in this league and that this is a line of scrimmage league. They're not intimidated. On the flip side of that, we have named, you know, sophomores and freshmen that could redshirt freshmen that could play and a couple freshmen that may or may not play, but will be the guy at their respective positions in just a year or two. Mm -hmm. So, 
you love how you've done with the with the recruitment over here. Uh, our new line coach, Coach Adams, is doing a fantastic job. There's not going to be just a ton of drop off from last year, and I think it's going to be a step up for the offensive line uh, this year. I was a lot of people talk bad about the offensive line last year, and I think they were just spotty. I think they were good, pretty good. You saw some guys get pancaked last yeah. year, but it just wasn't terribly consistent. I know against Kentucky, it was it was a, a pretty sore Kentucky spot. Kentucky and them. Florida um, are the two stick out. The Florida was a bad game. And then some some possessions just look bad to me, just total possessions. Yeah. But they were great on penalties last year, and they were we were great not just giving up huge mistakes in a row that just really wreck your entire like two sacks in a quarter could wreck your whole offense because a, a sack if you a sack on second down especially ends that possession and and in a quarter you can expect to get two or three possessions. There was never that time where you just ruined a quarter or a half a game just because your offensive line. I think except like Kentucky. Yeah. So, because that's with that being because said, Josh Allen got a sack every time Nick Fitzgerald dropped back. So. Yeah, and I, you know, Nick Fitzgerald bro- dropping back is a problem enough. <laughs> uh, that that was that's I do not I don't mean that. Y'all. I'm sorry, that was me. But um, I think. You know that you got the leadership and the experience and the guy that the, the players trust because they elected him as their team captain and coach took on the media days and Daryl Williams. And having him on the field alongside more, ex- all, again, experienced older guys that have the bodies. You know, we got 345, 345, 335, 330. These guys on the line, this is not going to be just some. This is this is good. I think this is the top half of the league line. Yeah. Uh, not gonna be you know better not better not the type of line that Arkansas had like five years ago, but not the type of offensive line that Arkansas has now. That's the <laughs> best way I can put it. <laughs> um, luckily though, I think it can be a it it can be a it definitely won't be a weakness of the team. It it could be a strength. We'll see. But there's more to talk about on this offense and branching off from the offensive line. Of course, is that hybrid lineman, the tight end. Yeah. Uh, so Gavin, start talking looking about at, what we got at that yeah. position. Looking at tight end, our obvious starter is going to be Farad Green. Um, you know, kind of like he's from the same little tiny town that I'm from, by the yeah. way, guys. Western Mississippi. Post up. That's actually where my cousins are from. But we'll, Western's yeah. so small. I don't. I don't tell people that's where I'm from because like <laughs> I didn't we, know go, that we go to Walmart in Brookhaven. Well, we go to like we go to school and to work and to everything in Brookhaven because there's nothing yeah. in Weston, so. Um, There's a Dollar General. So Farad, a liquor store. Farad is just the obvious leader. Um, he was at Media Days. He just honestly just a beast. Uh, um, looking at last season, 31 yards, 370 or how many? 31 catches for three. These are those are those are his. I'm sorry, Gavin. I've listed the career stats for each of these. I made the list. Gavin's gonna talk about them. I made the list. I'm his secretary today. These are his their career numbers for every okay. player. So thirty-one catches, three seventy-six, and one touchdown. Um, I really just feel like Moorhead didn't use Farad to the best of his ability last year, and neither did Dan yeah. Mullen. Dan, Dan Mullen never really did either. Um, With any tight ends, yeah. but Farad really can be. If Farad is used correctly, he can be a huge part of the offense, whether it's blocking he's, or catching. He's a great blocking tight end. Last year, you know, him and Justin Johnson 
were kind of the 1A, 1B, and the only reason Justin started was really just because he was older. And that was just – they were very, very close. They talked about that uh, to the media and stuff like that. Um, Farad is a good blocker. And Farad's interesting. This is not – this is, you know, not something that needs to be just shouted out in the streets. But they we took Farad back when we took him as a freshman in the 2016 class. We took Farad – because we wanted to get Leo Lewis, and they were their best friends. Yeah. Leo Lewis is from Brookhaven. He's from Western. They're right next to each other. Farad was was a, is an SEC player, but not. We weren't necessarily sure if that's who we wanted to get. What? And he has turned out to be fantastic. Yeah. He's one of the hardest workers on the team. Obviously, a leader on the team. He is goes to meet. He they took him to media days. He is one of the backbones. One of the backbones. That's the term. <laughs> you can't have more than one back. You can, a, a being can't have more than one backbone. That's like a Siamese twin kind of thing. And that's rare. He is one of the the cornerstone pieces of this team. Uh, I that's thought you were about to say he's one of the Siamese twins. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but um, uh, and like I said, t- tight ends. Like Gavin said, I mean, tight ends haven't been utilized terribly well as pass catchers. But we're loaded at tight end, yeah. and he's going to tell you more about the how we're loaded we are at tight end. Hopefully, Fry can get a lot of catches this year, as well as you know, run blocking and pass protection. Yeah. So, uh, moving on to a guy that you will probably hear his name in every single podcast uh, for for as long as we'll do podcasts while he's at Mississippi State. Brad Cumbus. We'll slip him in there during basketball <laughs> yeah, season too. He'll be in there somehow. Um, <laughs> he should play basketball. He's six five, two fifty. Yeah. <laughs> We got Brad Cumbest, who, um, you know, Brad, Brad was able to redshirt last year. He didn't get much action, obviously, since he redshirted. He had one catch, but he's he's just like Farad. If he's utilized the correct way, he will he can be a big part of offense. I would see Brad as more of somebody using the run blocking game just because of his sheer size. What do you think, Colton? I think if they can use him, how his speed, he is deceptively fast. I don't even say deceptively. He's just, you don't expect somebody 250 to be yeah. that, that quick. He proved you know, that on the he diamond. Got, he, hit, he hit a couple triples this year, like, yeah. dang. So if we could just find a way, and if that's pulling and blocking, uh, if that's blocking linebackers that are shifty, if that's, you know, running running great routes or using them in that RPO where they kind of sling it out uh, uh, parallel with the line of scrimmage to the tight end on like the screen pass with the third option and, you know, using his speed that way. I think that whatever lets him get out in space, get out in space to either run people over or get out in space to, to make catches would be the best thing for him because he is, he's, he's fast. You know, he gets a full head of steam. He's going to be hard to bring down if he's got the ball yep. in his hand. And if he gets a full head of speed, speed uh, no, a full head of speed and he's trying to do lay somebody flat to block them, that's not going to be good for that guy either. He's going to feel that the next day. Um, So looking at – I would see this guy as the backup for Farad. I'm sure Colton would too. We got Dante Jones. He's a junior. Um, He has four catches for 66 yards and a touchdown. But – And only – that's in one season. He's only played one season, even though he's a junior. So – Or only recorded stats in one season, even though he's a junior. Sorry. Oh, you're good. And uh, in, our, in my notes right here, Colton says, it seems like all four of his catches were an electric play. And I would have said – He had like right. a touchdown catch. He had like a one-handed crazy catch. Do you remember – It was crazy. Do you remember – I remember specifically one of the catches that he had in the spring game last year 
where he he absolutely uh-huh. bodied a linebacker. I don't even remember who the linebacker was, <laughs> but it it was amazing. Um, it's hard to body one of our linebackers. <laughs> our linebacking core looks yeah. okay. This yeah, year. I'd have to say they're pretty decent. But Dante definitely expect him to get some reps, and hopefully he'll be used effectively. He'll get more than uh, four catches. I could imagine he would get at least seven. At least one. (laughs) At least one, if he stays healthy. Lord willing. Um, And then moving on from Dante, we have Jorquarius Spivey. He's just a young guy, uh, a lot of raw talent. He redshirted last year. He is 6'5", 250. So, you know, he's – Spivey's extremely athletic. He's the Uh, the same size as Cumbus, but like we were talking about how athletic Brad is, Spivey is – through the roof in comparison to anybody we have as far as athleticism goes for our tight ends. I think I would say Spivey's more explosive and Brad is more nasty and hard yeah. hitting if you were comparing the two. Uh, yeah, that's probably how I'd yeah. put that. And I would say I know Brad can catch football. I don't know about if, if Spivey can or not. I, I would have to say Spivey would probably have a higher ceiling. Yeah, Spivey's more the NFL type yeah. player. For sure. Um, you know, he could be – he's more that Gronkowski-esque, and I'm not – he's not Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> he's athletic. He's a huge – big guy, huge athlete. Uh, and Cumbus, you know, I would – if I was going to meet somebody in the hole with a full head of steam, I'd rather be Spivey but even because I just think Cumbus could lay the yeah. wood. But um, he is more – that fast twitch muscle fiber is more of Spivey's yeah. thing. Um, and then moving on from Spivey, we have Powers Warren. He's a redshirt sophomore from Minnesota, coming in at 6'3", 245. Um, I wouldn't expect Powers to get very many reps this year, but I do think that he will see some playing time. Um, you know, maybe if Farad, yeah. if Farad and Dante have already gotten their reps and it's kind of garbage time, I'd expect Powers to go out there with the backups. And, you know, I think I think he has potential to be – to maybe be as good as Dante is um, and compete with him for that second job. But right now I just think that he's he's better suited further down the line. You know, this just shows, you know, he will be at some point the senior, the senior, not not senior for, by virtue of age, although he will be, the oldest offensive, uh, excuse me, oldest tight end on the team. So the, all these guys are going to have their shot. And these are this is a loaded group. There is no reason that all of these guys could not be as good the best tight end on a lot of yeah. teams. So that's good for us. Just to say that. There's there's not enough catches to go around at tight end for these guys, and that's sad for them. Mm-hmm. But good for us. Moving on to the receivers. This is a group that we expect to take a big jump up. We're gonna talk more about this group as a whole at the end. Yeah. Also. But there's a lot of guys that we got to run through. Yeah. So first on and our, not everybody's listed at any of these positions, guys. We are not listing yeah, everybody on. You don't team. want to listen to there'll, us talk there'll, about. There'll everybody. be 55 or 60 guys. Okay. Um, so, looking at our number one receiver on the list, we have Osiris Mitchell. I'd say Osiris was a diamond in the rough last year. I know. Absolutely. I wouldn't say many people expected him to have the year that he did last year. Um, I did. You know, every, I'll go ahead and say going I did. into last year, no, everybody was really hyping up WAP and Stephen Gidry, and then Osiris Mitchell really just came out of nowhere. Um, looking at his numbers, he has 31 catches for 478 yards and four touchdowns. But 
gosh. And that's almost all last yeah. year. He had he had less than five catches before yeah. then. And it just seems like those four touchdowns, that, that seems like – it seemed like he had twice as many as that. It just seemed like um, – We don't have to see why it seems like he had twice as many as that because he dropped a couple <laughs> of them. That's true. <laughs> um, uh, but looking at Osiris, I would really expect him to step up this year and like Colton was messing with about a – a uh, second ago, yes, Osiris did have a few heartbreaking drops last year, but I definitely I, he might have only had one drop. It was just the, the worst. Drop. No, I think I think the it, second I worst think drop that could have happened. Yeah, um, did he? were saving I you for I, later. I can only recall the one. <laughs> um, but yeah, Osiris. Guys, like I, I love all of our guys, but there's there was two plays made by people that we're about to talk about or are talking about now that cost us yeah. games. Um. So I'm gonna say. So I, I would really expect Osiris to cut down the drops this year, though. Um, you know, he's just—I feel like he's just not—he's just gonna be a lot more experienced. A lot of that, a lot of his problems last year seemed to come from nerves and just not having very many mm-hmm. game reps at you know starting receiver in college. But for every drop that he made, he also made an incredible catch. So. He's—he's he's gonna be—he's an absolute just miracle for this team. You know, he. That's the kind of player that on the outside just gives you so much more room to work with because if you're if you don't have Mitchell, you're putting what's either basically a freshman, a red shirt guy, whatever you want to call it, on the outside alongside Gidry. But with Mitchell, you've got two SEC experienced starters still on the team to come catch passes. Yeah. You know, so the the guy that and this is sad because because he's so good, but the guy that we're gonna talk about next, Devonta Jason, won't start, yeah. and he is he is a, he is a higher talented recruit out of high school than both these guys. Okay, so the potential for this receiving core is just astronomical, and another underachieving year from them is just going to be really disappointing. I don't think it's going to happen, yeah. but and I'm not saying they've always underachieved because we've had some terrible yeah. injuries in the years past, and we've had some we've had some. We have not recruited at receiver the way some other schools in the area have. And I would, I would definitely not, say that saying last year was underachieving for Osiris would be more than a stretch. That's just blasphemous. Well, uh, Osiris didn't achieve, but the receiving yeah, core as a whole, I know could have been mean. better. As a whole, they underachieved. Yeah. Osiris overachieved. Osiris blew yeah, my mind. But it's, I – and he could have been better. Is I mean, the thing. Osiris didn't do everything he could have done. Still I expected Wop to get a lot more reps last year. Um, See, and I'm glad he redshirted. Yeah. So, as as Colton saying, Wop was able to redshirt last year. Um, he's from. That's Devonta Jason. If yeah, y'all Devonta don't know. Jason. That, his real his his mother did not name him Wop. <laughs> she should have. But he goes by Wop. Yeah. Um, he's just a stud coming out of high school. Four-star receiver from Landry Walker High School, which is where Keaton Thompson and Lamar Peters went. Um, that is a physical receiver. Yeah. Big, big, big body. Big. He'll moss on you. He only had two catches last year, but I definitely expect that number to go up. He'll be, yeah. he'll probably be our third, our third best outside receiver. Wouldn't you think so? Third best, and and if he moves on up, I wouldn't be surprised either. He is raw talent, yeah. probably the most talented outside yeah. guy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the only reason he had two catches last year is because they were holding him for the red yeah. shirt. But, you know, next year, you know, cuffs are off. He can play as little or as much as he yeah. wants to, or as much as the coach wants to. The guy that I would expect him to jump is actually the next guy on our list, uh, Stephen Gidry. 
Stephen Guidry coming to state. He was the number one JUCO player in the country. Last year he had 19 catches, 440 yards, and three touchdowns. And to be honest, Guidry, I was just really disappointed with Guidry last year. Um, it was. Um, go ahead. He the SEC was a little bit was a little bit of a wake up call for him. That was some of the early struggles. He, I think he, he could be if he is just committed to the grind and to the power, the tenacity of the guy that he's going to be going up against. He's going to be great. He is a he is that graceful, that slick moving, sure handed receiver that could. And I say sure handed. <laughs> um, That's all right. That's that was all one right. play. That was one play. You you hate for you hate to be defined by your one bad moment because his against Texas A and M he was out. I mean, amazing against Lafayette he had some great catches, but uh, he is he is going to be a difference maker if you can get the these three guys. If you can get Mitchell and Gidry six hundred yards, I'll just leave WAP out of it. You get Mitchell and Gidry six hundred yards, and this receiving core is in outstanding shape. I, I agree, and that's and that's it. I mean that that's not asking that's not asking him to you know go out there and be Antonio yeah. Brown. Just just go be the guy we expected. Be the guy we expected at least. Yeah. You know that's all he's got to do, and I think he can do it. He's ready. He's had a year. You know he's he had some trouble in the last spring. Did Gidry adjusting to Starkville and adjusting to the spring game? You know there are some things he tweeted. and He was like, I'm not sure about all this, blah blah. blah. And he would. He's from different, uh, you know, Mississippi, but from a smaller, but from a small town, and he went to Hines Community College, and I think he was expecting to have this big glamorous life once he got to college, and it just, it's just yeah. not like that. He was, you know, I'm in college, he was expecting like to be that. the star on campus, and yeah, you, know, you come, you come to state, we produce NFL talent year in and year out. You're not going to come to Starkville, and nobody's going to get down on their knees and bow to you. No, they don't, and they don't, you know. That's not. I'm not going to sit there and say that he is just begging for for attention all the time and stuff like that because I don't think that's the case. But maybe college, se- senior college football was a dream for him. For him, that wasn't everything he dreamed it to be. For not for for better or for yeah. worse. You know, there's sometimes, you know, I'm sure a lot of athletes feel like this is going to be the best thing ever, but not, and then forget. Well, there's a big a whole bunch of work and very few athletes become, you know, this super famous guys. Anyway, um, moving on down, yeah, moving on. I'm just going to group these last three guys together because I I feel like they, they're all super similar. Um, would you agree, Colton? That's right. And I don't, and I'm not sure if these are, these are outside receivers that we're naming. I have no idea where these guys will be. Um, two of these are true freshmen. One of them is a red shirt freshman that will probably play. Yeah. Um, a Starkville kid, but we'll talk about the other ones yes. first. The two, the tr- talk about the true freshmen okay. first. So uh, the two true freshmen we're talking about are Kaziah Pruitt and Quentin Torber. Um, you know, both of these guys were, I'd say they were pretty highly touted recruits coming out of high school. Yeah, um, especially Torber. Yeah, Torber, Torber was a four-star, top twenty in the state of Louisiana, top fifty wide receiver in the country, and he's just. Like both of these guys, I would say they're raw and they just need to learn. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if both of them redshirt this year just to go. They'll, they'll they'll play their four games and be done just to get these get their game reps in and get some college experience. But yeah, I would expect them to be super impactful down the road. Yeah, these are you know with all the guys that we are, have already named, 
we could afford to redshirt these guys. Uh, Cam Gardner, though, he is a six foot four redshirt freshman. That's gonna, you know, if you're like I said, if you're a redshirt freshman, handcuffs are off. <laughs> you can play. You are allowed to play. They can they can throw you in there as much as they want. And I and if you're a competitor and you're trying to play in the SEC, I hope that that guy expects Cameron Gardner and all these guys expect to get out there and make some plays. Yeah. And so if you hear his name being called, don't be surprised. You know, you'd love to have that receiver that just, you know, burns the barn down with just lighting everybody up and, you know, getting averaging 120 yards a game or whatever. But what's a better team, what makes for a better team, is five or six receivers that get 30 or 40 yards a yeah. game. Okay? Spread the ball around. And I feel like the, throw that's it, really Throw what, it to guys out of the backfield and tight if ends. More heads, keep going. If more heads, uh, you know, scheme or whatever you would want to call it, I feel like scheme is a decent word for that. Um, if more scheme is going the way that we would expect it to, I wouldn't expect any receivers to have absolutely absurd numbers. I would expect the ball to be spread around a good bit and there to be a lot of substitutions just to keep the defense off balance. See, I think it just depends. I don't think any of these guys is just so much better than any of the mm-hmm. others that there's no such a such a – far and ahead number one guy that one dude's going to dominate the catches and just have you know before we've only talked about outside receivers so these aren't even the best receivers that we've mentioned keep that in mind you don't think oh no i think i think zuber and austin williams they're coming up but uh i was just gonna say real quick those are next so go ahead and talk about well i'm gonna finish my point real quick i was just gonna say that my bad my bad i was gonna say that osiris and Cameron Gardner, the talent gap between those two is not insanely big. So just just keep that in mind when you're thinking about the, the way this rotation could work and the way we're going to run these guys through this outside receiving position. I wouldn't expect anybody to have absolutely huge numbers unless um, before the season starts somebody just gets ridiculously good and they're showing up everybody else in practice which we'll be able to tell you all about yeah. later. Um, so now moving on to our we'll get practice inside reports. guys. We have the Kansas State transfer, Isaiah Zuber. And I, I'm i really excited about Zuber. He, I think he has potential to be the, our best receiver that will take the field this year. Um, he can play slot or outside, but I would expect him to be in the slot just with the talent that we just mentioned being on the outside. Last year, he led Kansas State in catches and yards. Um, but really, one of the most valuable things about him is his uh, return game. His his ability to impact special teams. He averaged 18 yards per punt return, which led the Big 12 last year. I would expect him to be our returner this year. That would be good. You know, we've had – we didn't have the problem last year, but there have been drop. we did get an Alabama game. But we have had have – We've had dropped punts hurt us in years past. Uh, Zuber doesn't have that problem, and Zuber's good enough. Don't be if he's lining up on in any in any kind of receiving spot. Uh, don't be surprised. The, you know, I think what would be dangerous about this offense is they need these guys need to move around, flex a tight end out there sometimes. You know, throw throw uh, Gidry in the slot and let him see what he can do. Gidry actually played in the slot some last yeah. year. Let you know don't get, don't make don't make that scouting report easy to get. Don't make this guy is going to always be in this spot. He's going to do X, Y, or Z. Don't the, Moorhead's offense is way too creative and ingenious for 
those kind of things to make to make it that much easier on other teams. All right. Um, I agree with that. Moving on to Austin Williams. I feel like at this point, if you're a, if you're a Mississippi State football fan, you know Austin Williams' name. Um, Ten catches for 137 yards and three touchdowns. But it seems like he has some of the most sure hands on the team. Some of these slot guys don't drop the ball. Yeah. I'll just tell you all that. Austin Williams can catch it anywhere, throw, anywhere around him if it's thrown to him. At his ankles or above his head. Um, thought he would get more involved last year because he had a great spring the year before uh, – last spring, but the last. The last, last but spring. <laughs> there was not so, – there just wasn't that many – enough balls in the air and enough balls well-placed in the air to get anybody the kind of numbers that we just were hoping yeah. for. And it's not – and that goes back to what Gavin said. You're not going to get huge numbers because we have talent and the, on the scheme is going to spread it around. But the passing game was – let's be honest, passing game wasn't where we wanted it last year. So, it's – looking back, it's easy to see why Austin Williams only had 137 yards. But looking – you know, when we were looking ahead to last year, you know, back before the 2018 season started, you know, we were hoping for him to be a three or three yeah. or 400-yard guy. But that also comes Gidry from – to be the seven 800-yard yeah. guy. That also comes from, like Moorhead mentioned in SEC Media Days, if any of you guys watch that. Um, you know, just him coming in saying, oh, what's your ring size? Nick Fitzgerald, I hope you have room on your mantle for a Heisman and all this stuff. And I don't know if you saw this or not, Colton, but he actually said that he regretted saying some of that stuff just because yeah, he didn't realize that. how hardcore the SEC fans are down here. I didn't, I didn't like some of the way he went about yeah. that. And I like Coach Moorhead. But you know, not lat, not a long time ago. I don't. I didn't mind him coming off guns blazing. Yeah. You know, that got the team invested in yeah. him. I did. I did kind of like. You know, he walked that back. I think a little bit too yeah. much, and he acted like you know he shouldn't have expected us to win a championship. And I think the coach has to be realistic, but he shouldn't say. And I think he actually did say, "I shouldn't have expected us to win a championship" or something along those lines. I don't think that's something too. he should ever not expect. We had the talent too. We had the talent to compete. Just because he didn't have um, his guys, I, I, last year I expected him. At, you know, coming in or after the Kentucky game, I felt like it was pretty obvious that Moorhead didn't have his guys. But I at least expected him to, you know, form to form the offense around something that would work with the guys that we had, and that, that just never and that's, happened. That's asking a lot, you know. Yeah, that is asking a lot. We've got more of his guys now with Stevens and Zuber and some of the recruits that are in here because, you know, last year's recruits are his. And, a, and, a, and you know, Colin Hill is his guy, even yeah. though he didn't bring him on to campus because that, that Colin Hill is a baby safety. Yeah. I'm just telling you. So we'll see. I think year two, this office took a step up. But moving on down the list of receivers, another sure handed guy, guy. Yeah, Dedrick Thomas. Um, we've seen Dedrick in the re- return game. But his value in the slot, I feel like, has been definitely underappreciated through his career at State. He has 46 catches, 527 yards, and seven touchdowns, which would make him uh, just barely the most – the I would say the most experienced receiver as far as the slot goes. But it's just like, like Colt mentioned earlier, these young guys coming in, and not even the young guys, just the guys like Zuber who are coming in, just outshine him um, – which is really sad, but hopefully he'll get. I, he I has agree. the most yards, yards, catches, and uh, touchdowns on the on yeah. the list. Even though he is probably not the one you think yeah, of, he's, he will not start. He's this just year. Been, he's always been there. But definitely expect him to get some reps. He'll he'll be deadly. 
in the rotation somewhere down the line. He's actually tied for the most catches. That is that was a slight mistake. Yeah. Mistake there. Um, who he is tied with though is Malik Deer, and that's one of my favorite yeah. players on the whole Mal- team. Malik that, Deer is forever, Mississippi guys. State's Hunter Renfro. Yeah, he's been there for forever, and I wish he had played more to where that everybody else knew how long he'd been here. But somebody's gonna, you know, somebody that doesn't watch Mississippi State football is gonna be like, "Who's Malik Deer when he makes a yeah. catch?" But you know, or not think anything of it. But this, the dude was here. The dude caught passes in 2015. Yeah. Okay. He's been here that long. He's taken two medical red shirts, if I'm not mistaken. He's taken a regular red shirt and a medical red shirt. Um, so Malik Deer. And last year, only had a single catch. Yeah. Malik Deer. Malik Deer was catching Dak Prescott's footballs. Literally. Yeah. Malik Deer. Malik Deer is the only player on the team that's caught a pass from Dak yeah. Prescott. Um, so Malik Deer has 46 catches, 493 yards, and four touchdowns. He had one catch last year, and uh, as Colton has listed, which might be a little bit surprising, he has 28 rushes for 234 yards and two touchdowns, and he's also been used in the return game. He had that awesome play, uh, catch for a touchdown on the trick play against Ole Miss in the, the Thrash and Egg Bowl 55-20 mm-hmm. game. Um, that was great. I loved watching that. I thought he was going to lose it in the sun because he crossed from a shady spot to a sunny spot. And I was like, ooh, yeah. and then he caught it. I was like, thank goodness. Yep. But uh, he is, you know, he stuck around. That's a, He was kind of guy you thought to transfer. Yeah. You know, he got he's already got his degree and everything, but he got hurt, had to have a medical red shirt in 2017, and gets one catch in 2018. But he's still here. Mm-hmm. He stuck it out. He provides leadership and depth at that position. And I love watching him play because he looks – like he's not going fast when he runs. I don't. I can't explain <laughs> it, but he's going fast. I know he is because he's running past people, but he looks like he's going slow. Yeah. I don't understand how he does it, <laughs> and I know that sounds weird. Yeah, but I know, the sad part is I know exactly what you mean when you say that. If if he, he you watch him run, you're like that dude's like going fast, and then he runs yeah. past somebody. He's like, well, like I if know you, that dude's if fast. Like, if you saw him running in an empty field, you'd be like, well, dang, I could beat this dude. And then you see him in game; he's surrounded by a bunch of defenders, and it's just like, what in the world? I don't know how he, his movement is just odd. Yeah. I like it. Um, it's it's cool. Moving on, we have Javante Payton. Uh, me and my buddy Skip actually know a good bit about this cat because he DMs us every day asking for a graphic. So does he really? <laughs> what? Yeah. I didn't know that. What? Yeah. Uh, well, get it, get him on the show. Okay, I might, I might be able to do that. <laughs> tell him, tell him we'll we'll give him graphics if he gets on yeah. the show. Javante Payton, uh, he was a big guy coming out of JUCO. Uh, yeah, really, that's that's all we have for him in the notes. But Javante Payton is a, he was he was the top junior college receiver yeah. this year. So, and if you're coming from junior college, you may redshirt, but he is technically a junior, and you could expect to see him on the field reasonably, and that not be a terrible uh, expectation to have, yeah. just because. He is that much older than some of these freshmen that are in the, on the team. Yeah. Um, just, just look out for Javante. He could definitely get some reps. If not, if he will get some reps, whether he's redshirted or not, because and if he's works, but, thank goodness. Yeah. And if he's doesn't play a lot this year, in the next, if he redshirts the next two years, if he does it the next year, he will be one of our top guys. Yeah. Uh, he is. 
you know, one of those guys that was – he's been an SEC guy from the beginning. Um, it was kind of just an academic thing that he was at junior college in the first place. But this kid is ready to play. Just depends on in this crowded receiving group uh, what his role yeah. is this year. And whenever he blows um, up, you will see some graphics on Hill State Wave. Yes, he'll be very excited about it, I'm sure. <laughs> and he also – you know, we've got to list as an inside guy. I think he's kind of both. Uh, in fact – the inside slot, there's only one – in our offense, there's only one X receiver – or excuse me, not X receiver, one Z receiver. So, there's we, – we've already listed all these slot guys, so don't be surprised if, you know, to get some, get some guys on the field, some of these slot guys move outside. Yeah. And like I said, you know, there's nothing official in the stat sheet about these receiver – positions other than you have to be lined up correctly and that's how that's the distance from the line of scrimmage that you are not how far away from the ball you are so um so moving on changing positions we have running backs as colton touched on a few minutes ago we have kylan hill saquon barkley jr uh as colton has in the notes right here potential all-american i couldn't agree anymore 195 rushing yards, 1,120 – or 195 touches, 1,127 yards, six touchdowns, 5.8 yards per carry, 26 catches for four touchdowns. This guy is all you could ever want in the back as far as blocking, running, and catching. Uh, Moorhead loves him. Former running back coach, Charles Huff loved him. Um, And Charles Huff, to clarify, coach Saquon Barkley. And he couldn't give enough praise for Kylan Hill. Yeah. Um, Charles Huff, like I said, like Gavin said, talked about compared Kylan to Saquon. Um, and Charles Huff was super excited about Kylan. He, I don't think he did his due diligence to Ares Williams, but that's another story. That's a, in the past, and I've talked about that. Kylan – is such a unique player because he's not he's not huge. He's 5'11", but he can light you up with his pads mm-hmm. and light you up light up your ankles with his with his shiftiness and his feet. But he loves because to he run can move every direction. And I mean, he, not scared of contact. He can finish runs. He he's as complete a back as we've had in yeah, a while. That's my you know, and even some of our best backs haven't been a do it all. You know, Anthony Dixon wasn't didn't do everything the way that Kylan Hill does. And I'm not saying that Kylan Hill's better than Anthony Dixon. Well, that remains to be but seen. Kylan, Kylan has the potential to be the best back in Mississippi State history. See, now, the only thing I will say about that is he's gone after this year, 90% yeah, potentially. chance. And I don't think he's done – he would have to have, you know, a Heisman-type year to have that because some of those guys – we've had some good running backs that have done it year in and year yeah. out, like Anthony. Yeah. Dick Ballard, and you know the list goes on. Yeah. Um, so Josh Robinson only had one year, yeah. but to, to, he he played more than one year. But his his one year was his money year. Yeah. Um, if J. Rob would have stayed. His name would would be definitely be higher up in that conversation. His definitely. I think I think he would have been the best back we ever had if he'd have stayed. Yeah. Um. So, but just looking at Kylan, yeah, my biggest concern with Kylan Hill is his crave for contact. That kind of concerns me in terms of his health. Because um, he was hurt so yeah. much. And if he just keeps on looking looking for guys to just run over like we know that he can, that just concerns me. Um, you know, he can only take so much before he has to sit out. 
And of course, one of his injuries was a cut and a bruise that he got from running into a piece of equipment on the sidelines. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe he needs to work on his brakes. Yeah, who knows? Uh, but I would I but, would expect the Jim Moorhead to recognize that concern and maybe just tell Callen, hey, if if you don't have to hit him, how about we don't do that this year? Another thing that can help Colin Hill stay healthy is the guys that are on the other uh, to finish out the rest of this list. Yeah. Because Kyle's not going to get every single carry. Mm-hmm. There's been some other guys in the backfield that have something to say about Colin being Mr. All that they're going to want to get some touches too. Gavin, tell us about them. Um, so our, I would say the, the most likely got to be our backup running back is Nick Gibson. We saw some flashes of him last year and how good he can be. He had 81 touches in his career for 501 yards, 6.2 yards per carry, which is higher than Kylan, and two touchdowns. He's shiftier than he looks, um, just electric whenever he has a ball in his hands. He'll be a good change of pace for Kylan, a uh, hard worker, and, you know, just a guy that you want to have in your locker room, I would say. I would say even though even though we have in the notes how that he's super shifty, his pop with his pads will surprise you. He's, you know, he doesn't look, he's just, he's not in just the best, you know, he's not the Brendan Holloway kind of shifty, you know, cut riff, cut right, cut left, yeah. cut right. But he just looks, he doesn't look as shifty as he is. Um, he's a little bit surprising, deceptive. And the thing about Nick Gibson is all I think of is him running for 12 yards. He, he gets, he'll hit more 11, 12, 15 yard runs out of just nowhere. You'd be like, what, who is this guy? <laughs> and, and, and who this guy is, is somebody that when he gets the chance to have the ball in his hands, he does something with it. And I saw, you know, he doesn't have a ton of carries, you know, 81 rushes uh, through the first three years of college, but He's averaging 6.2 yards per carry because he does something with the ball. Yeah. And it's just – I'm glad he's in the game. And it's just odd, you know, he's not starting for a reason, never started for a reason. But I know every time I think of him having the ball in his hand, he's he's running for 10, 12 yards. I remember he ran for like – he ran a 13-yard run last year with a shoe off. <laughs> you know? I remember or that. Maybe that was – that was – I was like, bro, his shoe came off <laughs> and he kept going. You know? So, he's going to be a good guy to just be beside Colin. Um, keep Kylan fresh, maybe come in on third down and just, you know, smash mouth football kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, I expect to – you will you'll you will know who he is if you don't already before the season's yeah. over with. I'm definitely excited about uh, him. And then moving on, we have Lee Witherspoon. He, is the, he has the record – I'm pretty sure it's the state of Alabama, right, Colton? The state – the Alabama state yeah, record. for touchdowns in a single season or career. I'm pretty sure it's a career, right? In a in a single season, it could be it probably is close to the career right. record too. Though um, he guys, this dude scored. I want you to think of this. Okay, now this is not counting playoffs. A high school football game or high school football season is ten games. Yeah, I think he played three playoff games, so thirteen games. This dude had fifty six touchdowns, yeah. which is he was also Mister Football in the state of Alabama, and he, he averaged nineteen yards per carry. 19 yards per carry was his average. And this kid played running back all of one year. He was a receiver that was getting looked at by, like, the best schools get looked at was, like, UAB. You know, junior college, you know, UAB, Middle Tennessee State. Also, he's running back, and he gets offered Mississippi State. Anyone, Mr. Alabama. Raw, 
Mr. Alabama for football. Alabama's, you know, obviously a good football school, a good football state, excuse me. So, you know, there's not just a bunch of scrubs down there that he's competing with. You know, Mr. Football Alabama or Mississippi or Texas is different than Mr. Football in Montana or Idaho. Yeah. Okay. Just let y'all know. Mm-hmm. This dude is going to be something special because I think Joe Moorhead knows exactly what he wants to do with him. Because Joe Moorhead jumped on this kid when nobody really else did because he'd only had the year at running back. They weren't sure. Joe Moorhead knows exactly what he wants to do with him, and I'm excited to see what it is. He's smaller. He's like 5'10", 200 pounds. Um, he'll put on a little bit of weight, but he is fast. Yeah, and I, fast, I do fast, not fast, expect fast, him fast. to play. or I, I expect him to play, but I don't expect him to uh, – burn his red shirt this year i expect him to keep it just because how loaded we are at running back there's there's some running backs that we're not even going to get to mention um on top of the three that we've got on this list yeah. so and the two that we've already talked about so he he does not have to burn his red shirt this year yeah um so moving on from lee we have kareem walker he played at michigan he was a former top five prospect in the country he won't be here till August, but I would say he was a big pickup for this class. Uh, I would expect him to be more of a third-down power back if he does get ripped. What do you think, Colton? He, yeah, he's a big old dude. You know, I'm surprised that not everybody is not just terribly excited about Kareem Walker because he was he was a, he was the fifth-ranked prospect in all of high school football just a couple years ago. He did a year at Michigan and didn't play much, and something about it didn't sit well with him. Not not him not playing much. Something about Michigan wasn't great because, you know, as a freshman, he was only a freshman. He wasn't going to play much anyway. Yeah. Went to junior college in Kansas, and now he's here. So, number of guy that Michigan had on, on their team that was a five-star player and a fifth, the fifth prospect in the country and the second running back in the country is on our team now. <laughs> That's kind of mind That just sounds too – this sounds too good to be true. Yeah. You know? Who knows? There's something, you know, this this dude, you know, and, and he went to junior college for a reason. He didn't pan out at Michigan. He didn't light the ball on fire at Michigan. But this dude's got to be able to play. Yeah. And okay. if he was going – if he committed to any other school in the country, it'd be, they'd be hyping him up. Pro- I'm sure. If he would have yeah. committed to Alabama, he'd be all oh, over yeah. ESPN oh, yeah. and whatever. He'd be on You don't know how much we'll be hearing football. about this if he'd have committed to Ole Miss. Yeah. Because they would be talking about it to us, <laughs> and I'm not saying you know all those all those other people would talk about them that terrible because all this is very relevant. But I would have to hear about yeah. it. They they I still hear about the uh, the uh, if I hadn't thought of it, my name if I hadn't had to think of it, I would have had the name. The kid from Prep that plays Jaron Ely. Yeah, Ely kid. I I've still hear about <laughs> that. I it that he literally signed in February. <laughs> I'm still hearing about it. He's probably going to redshirt. Or no, I think they're going to yeah. try to probably he'll, play he'll him redshirt. He'll definitely play behind yeah. Scotty. Anyway, that's just – they got Moving on I'm not even going to lie. They got, they got two pretty good backs this year. They do. They do. Scotty Phillips. I will definitely respect Scotty Phillips. Moving on down the list uh, real quick, I'm just going to talk about these. Robert Rivers – He's a walk-on running back that he's got five carries. He's uh he should, you know, if his if he gets a couple carries this year, that's not to be surprised. Um, I actually talked to him today. He's not, you know, he's not just content to just sit on the bench and just never ever touch the field because he's going to keep working hard no matter what his role is. 
And that's the kind of guys that you want in your locker yeah. room. And Alec Murphy, he's a senior that had to play linebacker last year. I'm mentioning him because he was great in the spring game, and he could be in that mix for the third running back on the team. So that moves us on to the last position mm-hmm. group, which is the most fun one that we have talked about before. So we're not going to just talk about it for 20 minutes, and that's quarterback. Yeah. So looking at quarterback, we obviously – I'd say we have three real guys in the mix, and that would be Tommy Stevens, Keaton Thompson, and Jalen Maiden. Um, That's right, because we, we expect Schrader to redshirt. Yeah. We've got two guys on the team that are not scholarship yeah. quarterbacks. And just to be clear, um, Schrader is Moorhead's dude. There, there's yeah, no so doubt about that. And That's the quarterback of the yeah, future. And Schrader's been tearing it up while he's been on campus from what I've been hearing. Um, but we actually, if you haven't, he, he, I think he lived in my dorm or he lived in the dorm next to mine. Cause I used to see him on the sidewalk walking to back and forth to my place all the time last year. Huh. And I was just be like, so he'd be like, <laughs> he's real quiet. He just kind of like not at <laughs> you. He didn't want to talk. Um, and that might be because of me. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Tommy Stevens has the potential to be Moorhead's guy though. He was with Moorhead at Penn state. Um, so he obviously has a good feel for a Moorhead system. We're just going to have to play it by ear, see what happens. As of right now, I would think Tommy Stevens would be our starter. Um, but you just never know. And also, we in our last episode, if you haven't listened to it yet, we interviewed Hunter, which is Colton's good friend. He actually does the school paper for Mississippi State. He, he has a lot more media access than we do. And he was saying that he thinks Keaton is out of the race for this year. He thinks that the race at this point is between Stevens and Jalen Maiden. And, you know, I think he's got a kind of got a cold take with the Maiden thing. I do think that uh, it is between – I think it'll be Stevens. I don't think it'll be Jalen Maiden. And that's just because he's younger yeah. um, and has – we've got time to develop him. He's only a redshirt freshman this year. Yeah, but I'm, I'm worried that Maiden's gone. That's my – We'll see if, if Tommy – well, see, the thing is, Jalen Maiden is competing with Garrett Schrader. Jalen Maiden is not competing with KT and Tommy. Yeah. Regardless, if, if, if Jalen Maiden doesn't start this year or next year, he's still got two years to play. Yeah. It'll be if, – if he, he has to beat out Garrett Schrader. That's the idea in my head because if, if Garrett redshirts, he'll only be a year behind him. And if Garrett doesn't redshirt, they'll be the same age. Yeah. But uh, playing wise, Schrader, age, Schrader like we said, is Moorhead's guy. So he and, so he has the advantage. Yeah. But Moose got needs to say, you know, I'm going to compete and say, but not so fast there, Joe Moorhead. Yeah. You know, because Joe Moorhead did choose to recruit Jalen Maiden throughout the process after Dan Mullen left because he's still no, – nobody has signed yet. He's still got to call those guys and say, hey, I, wanna, I need you here. Yeah. And he did. He chose to do that. So, um, one thing I'm going to talk about this quarterback thing because you've heard enough about the, deb- about the debate on who's starting and who's going to be uh, having to sit out and all that is what we need from the quarterback this year. And it's simple, guys. We need a guy, what Joe Moore says all the time, that can beat you with his arm, beat you with his legs, and can beat you with his brain. Mm-hmm. We need the, the we need first and foremost, and this is not what everybody expects to say, first and foremost, we need the guy that makes the right play 85 to 90% of the time, no matter how accurate or how much of a live arm or how fast or whatever he is. Yeah. 
That's number one. Because I would feel we like that guy. I feel like a lot of the time Nick might have been selfish with his reads last year, and that that honestly yes. resulted in a, a terrible offense. Now he is. I don't think that aspect is totally to blame for the offensive struggles, and he is athletic enough that he can make up for some of those poor decisions. But as a quarterback, you want, especially down the goal line, I think Fitz did that, but. As a quarterback, you want the ball in your hands. Every player wants the ball in your hands. But you have to make the right decision for the team to pitch it, to keep it, or to throw it on the RPOs. And you've got to make the right decision of who to throw it to, when to get there. Another part of decision-making is timing. There's plays that worked out great. And there's plays that are 8- or 10-yard gains that could have been 20- or 30-yard gains if you get it it there a step earlier. Or if you got to hesitate, get it there a step later. You know, that's – there's just so many nuances to go to the game. I'd rather take – the less accurate passer if he's a better decision maker. Yeah. Does that that sounds yeah. crazy because of all the this, this, this you know horror stories we've had with accuracy passing the ball. But that's what we need up there. And they're both heady guys. KT is a competitor. Tommy Stevens is a smart guy. KT's a smart guy. Tommy Stevens knows this offense already. Either one of these guys could start, but the best decision maker and hopefully the one that's also got the best accuracy in the pocket. Um, is the guy that's going to get the job. Yeah, and these guys, uh, these guys, whoever wins this job is going to be the right guy, I feel like. But I would not be surprised to see them see us start the season off for the first week or two using a dual quarterback system, just trying to see which guy is better in game pressure. That wouldn't bother me until SEC play. Yeah. Had that work, worked out by then, yeah. wouldn't bother me. They, you know, that's what Trevor Lawrence and uh, Kelly Brown and Clemson did, and look, look how that worked out for yeah. them, you know. First four games of Just the year. Just ensure that the best guy's on the field. That's all I'm asking. That's right. I don't care who it is as long as it's the best guy. And uh, with that being said, talk about just keys real quickly. we got to get out of here. We've kept you all for plenty long enough. It's approaching midnight, Keys for this team way. as a whole on offense is approaching mm-hmm. midnight. Not for y'all because y'all will listen to this at 930 in the morning <laughs> with your coffee and your newspaper and your bathrobe. You're going to be feeling good. I can barely hold my eyes open. That's neither here nor there. But this quarterback-receiver dynamic. Receivers did fine last year. There was mistakes that were made. Quarterbacks, I think, did really good last year. There were mistakes that were made, and there is some stuff that was hard to watch from that position, (laughs) I'll be honest. And I love – and I'm not trying to throw shade. I love Nick Fitzgerald as a player. I think people calling for him to be benched were stupid. Yes, I'm saying that to Gavin because he was one of those people. Yeah, I was. I was on the KT train. Well, it was. It was worth a. Sh- it might have been worth a shot to put in KT, but I didn't think. He, I didn't think it was going to work out. But it was probably worth a shot. Anyway, either way, that being said, guys, we got to pass the ball down the field. There's got to be vertical passing. There's got to be uh, receivers making guys miss on the short passes. There's got to be an aspect to our game that can open up the, w- the way for Tommy or KT and Colin Hill to run the ball at will, okay? There is, it is not complicated. The offense actually is very complicated, but the, <laughs> the thing that's going to make the offense go is this. Making the right – the scheme is good enough from Joe Moorhead. If, I don't know if you've ever watched him and broken it all down. Watch, you know, Matt Wyatt's film thing on YouTube. It's great. The scheme can beat anybody. I promise. Yeah. The execution has to be there 
because it's just going to kill people if these players are physically and mentally capable of executing the yeah. scheme. Well, the if you've got three or four options and their third or fourth option can still get you three or four yards, five yards, six yards, which it can if you watch these plays and these RPOs and how these decisions work, who they're reading. You know, I would have loved to for everybody to get to go to the chalk talk thing that Joe Moorhead had a couple of weeks ago. You can, you can do it with this offense if you do what you, what you're supposed to do, yeah. and that's not going to say that a defender is not going to blow it up every now and then. Okay, I'm not saying that it's never going to happen, but you get the ball where it's supposed to be when it's supposed to be there. It's just as important as getting it to the right spot as getting it to the there at the right time, and this this offense is going to be just fine. Yeah, more. Really, everything you said was leading up to my two big points for the offense and the way that this – what needs to happen in order to for this to work. And I will say the two big things for me are we have the talent and the intelligence behind the scheme is there. The guys that we have running this offense have plenty of talent to make it work, and the mastermind behind the offense knows what he's doing. It's just a matter of fact uh, if the coaching – and the talent can work together, and the execution is there, just like you were saying. You know, it's it's a lot of moving parts. It's a complicated offense. But these are college athletes. College has to do a lot of studying. You got to do a lot of schoolwork and stuff. Football is like that, too. You got to be smart to play football. This is you know, this is not, not a meathead sport like, you know, the hippies would like for you to think it's a bunch of just blockheads, you know, hitting each other. <laughs> Football is a mind game. All right. All you we've got to do this year to have one of the better offenses in the league, in the SEC is to execute the game plan the way that it's supposed to be executed as far as timing and decision making goes, and for everybody to do their job. And the cool thing about this offense is with the, how many options in this job, you know, people say all the time, you know, if one or two guys don't do the job, the play fails. You know, one or two, a couple of guys could screw up, and there still be something good you can make out of the play mm-hmm. in, in this offense. That's the way it is. There, uh, there is this is the offense. The way I'd like to talk about it, there is huge plays to be made everywhere because of the way the offense works, but also tons of decisions to make that can help you be more prolific. And what I mean by that is. And there's also a lot of trick plays if you let him open up the offense. <laughs> what I mean by that is, though, these run pass options and these option plays and these option routes that they run nowadays, stuff like that, you can screw up the first two or three, you know, plan A, plan B, and sometimes even plan C and still get something out of it. And on top of that, if you do get plan A or plan B, plan A or plan B is usually 12 to 20 yards, okay? So – when you start getting those plays, your plan A and plan B, and they start, you know, kind of catching on to it, you start hitting your plan C, your plan Ds, you know, if it's maybe at the last minute you got to sling the ball out to the tight end on the run pass option or you have to uh, dump it off at the last minute to the tailback when you're really thinking about passing it or keeping yourself as a quarterback. When those plays start to work also, get six or eight yards, all of a sudden there's so much field to defend. You make the team defend the whole field, play totally honest, can't stack the box, can't just cover everybody. Uh, out in the field, and all of a sudden, there's nothing you can do. You outnumber this offense works a lot on outnumbering people, on outmanning people based on uh, matchups, on you know finding weaknesses in their defense. Like this guy can't cover this guy. So guess who's getting back to line up on this side of the field where that guy is? You know, and that's all a lot of real general stuff. But 
what I'm I say all that to say is the coaches know what they have to do to make this offense work. The thing is, last year the personnel wasn't to their liking, and they maybe were trying to force something a little bit that didn't need to happen based on who was running the running things out on the field. But they have gotten wiser. We have the personnel now a little bit more the way we like it, and they're going to be able to make good things happen on offense if they execute. Yep. And I and that's this is real general because I can't. I we're on we're on literally. Radio, recording, sound. I cannot point out things on an offense to y'all. So that is why there's a lot of, you know, this and that and pronouns being used. <laughs> okay. Yep. What else have you got for tonight? Um, I think we're good. I think we're good. I think we're no good because we have gone 68. We've gone 68 minutes. No, no questions. We'll do questions another time. Yeah. Next time, we'll try to break down the defense. In under an talk hour. Talk about some things. We will try to do it in under an hour. Um, our likelihoods of success, we, I think we have a better chance of beating Alabama than we do keeping it under an hour. But that means if we keep it under an hour, we're beating Bama. Yep. That's, what I, that's exactly what that means. So, yeah. We'll see you on the next 15-minute episode. Thank you all for putting up. <laughs> thank you all for putting up with us for so long. Good luck to whatever you all are trying to do, whatever's going on in y'all's lives. And as always, Hell State. Praise the Lord and go to Hill State. Hill State. Amen.